0: Listen to the Anarchist this Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Now this is this is the Anarchist World this week and just in case you think we're part of the live animal export trade, we don't slaughter sacred cows. We wrestle them to the ground in the dark of night, put them on trucks and liberate them in the forests, okay? <laughs> That's what we do. This is the anarchist world this week. My name's Joe Carna. And if you're wondering what anarchy is all about, no, it's not about wrestling cows to the ground. anarchist society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures based on equal decision making, powerless, direct democracy. The people involved in the decision make that decision and then elect or appoint delegates to coordinate those decisions at a local, regional and federal level. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. So on one hand you've got neoliberalism corporate capitalism on the other hand you've got Anarchism and many, many varieties in between. Yes, hundreds of varieties in between. From religious fundamentalism to oligarchies, feudal monarchies, and the list goes on and on. If you go around the world, you can see it all, except the anarchists. You can see it all. All these horrible little nation states. Or emerging nation states, some based on their interpretation of some so-called holy book, they are the chosen ones. Nobody else is worthy of life, let alone liberty. Then you've got the old-fashioned dictator who's just there for himself or herself and their political party. You've got the old parliamentary democracy. Hundreds of varieties, uh, you know, first past the post in England, to uh, you know some direct democratic concepts in Switzerland. And then you've got anarchism, which is about abolishing both the state and the private sector and replacing it with a federation of community and workplace councils based on direct, di- direct democratic principles, where wealth is held in common. And why? Well, an anarchist. Yes, they've got only one thing in common. An anarchist is somebody who wants to live their life without rulers. Not without rules, without rulers. Anarchos, without rulers. Alright, now that we've got that off the table, let's look at the budget. I know, I know. I mean, look, I could go on about religious fundamentalism, you know, and we could talk about, you know, what's the Royal Commission into Religious Exploitation of Children. I mean, the only thing I want to say is, first of all, I'd like to thank the Gillard government for actually calling the Royal Commission after decades, decades of hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of people raising this issue and being brushed aside, ignored. I can assure you, if the Abbott government was in power, there would be no royal commission into the religious exploitation of children in this country something that has a human cost which is intergenerational and that's the key intergenerational cost not just in terms of suicide but in terms of the dysfunction which occurs in families because of the inability in many cases of survivors to actually function. I mean, the extraordinary thing is, why did it take so long? Why did it take so long? And Ballarat was always the epicentre of what was occurring. And it was the people of Ballarat who got together, who got some interested police who were willing to break the rules, who put the pressure on the federal Gillard-led federal government to call this Royal Commission into what is one of the darkest chapters in this country's history. But the dark chapter is the fact that it took generations... It took the suicide of many people, hundreds if not thousands, to actually push this into the public realm. Just an extraordinary situation. Childhood sexual abuse. An extraordinary situation. I mean, it is exceptionally uncomfortable for everybody. Exceptionally uncomfortable, but something that needs to be put in the public arena. So let's ensure that this commission is not closed down by the current Federal Government, that it continues its work, that it continues to expose institutional abuse. Not just abuse by individuals, but institutionalised abuse which should have stopped as we hear the evidence being gathered which should have stopped decades ago because people in positions of power knew what was going on but turned the other way, turned their heads. It was all too difficult. As George Orwell said, In a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. And what we are seeing is people telling the truth and for the first time in decades being given the opportunity to tell the truth on a public stage so that each and every one of us understands what is happening. And I encourage you to listen to the testimony of the survivors. Listen how it's not only ruined their lives, but how it's ruined the lives of their children and their children's children. How it is a something which is difficult to bear. Difficult. Almost impossible to bear. So, congratulations to all those people who for years have been demanding... Investigations into this who have been pigeonholed, marginalized, pushed aside, derided. Couldn't happen. Couldn't happen. You're hallucinating. You're all mad. So, congratulations that you've forced one government to have the courage to actually call a royal commission into this. And let's make sure that no government, especially this current federal government, actually stops the Royal Commission in its tracks. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australian Community Radio Network. Let's move on. Now, sometimes I have a bit of a laugh when I listen to our beloved Prime Minister, the Right Honourable Mr Tony Abbott. And he's riding high, currently riding high. So let's see if we can actually cut off his legs metaphorically during what's left of the program because I think it's important we've reached a very important stage in political and social life in this country and what we are seeing is a sugar-coated neoliberal pill which has been offered to the Australian people a little bit more powerful than LSD this little budgetary sugar-coated neoliberal pill because when you first put it in your mouth it tastes nice it's pleasant you feel good you feel the world is yours but as you get through the coating you begin to feel that things are not quite right and by the end of the experience you're vomiting in the toilet So let's see what we're talking about. Let's see what what I'm saying. Okay, let's look at this budget, because I think it's very important that listeners understand what this budget is about and the ramifications it will actually have on our society in the next two to three years. The first thing let's remember is this budget will do nothing Nothing for the 33% of Australians who rely on social security benefits to survive. It's all very well to say that, you know, people are drowning to get to this country because they, they can live the good life. But let's not forget that 33% of Australians live on social security benefits. One in three. Let's not forget that over 10% of Australians, including 800,000 children, live a hand-to-mouth existence. A hand-to-mouth existence. And let's not forget that this government has, over the last 18 months, done all it can to remove the social supports which have been created over the past few decades to actually assist people who find themselves in this difficult situation. So if you're on a disability support pension or trying to get on one, if you're on an old age pension or trying to get an old age pension, if you're on unemployment benefits, if you're a single parent, you have been at the raw edge of this government's neoliberal ideological agenda. Whether it's in terms of the services you're actually able to access as resources are being removed from services, whether it's legal aid, whether it's health, whether it's public education or whether it's just a matter of actually trying to make ends meet especially if you are not in social housing, which is a disappearing breed in this society. So if you're one of these people, you know, you know that this government's policies stink. And I'd just like to remind you that if these clowns, and they are clowns because they think, you know, we're idiots, If these clowns had a majority in both Houses of Parliament, we wouldn't be having, being offered this sugar-coated pill, the budget. Because if these clowns had a majority in both Houses of Parliament, I can assure you people would be paying a co-payment for access to Medicare. I can assure you that they'd be paying extra for their pharmaceutical benefits. I can assure you that people under 30 would be waiting for six months for unemployment benefits. I can assure you that it would be much, 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 much more difficult to access a disability support pension or single parents benefits or unemployment benefits if these people had a majority in both Houses of Parliament. So let's not think that they have changed their agenda the Prime Minister is a man who said he would give up his last breath to ensure that some of the richest corporations on this planet did not pay one extra cent in tax. And he meant it. I mean, some people sacrificed themselves for religious reasons, others for uh, ideological reasons, others for their family or friends or their nation. The Prime Minister was willing to give up his life to ensure that some of the richest and most powerful people on this planet Do not pay one extra cent in tax Extraordinary situation Extraordinary situation And if you think that the leopard has not changed its spots And I'm not just talking about the Prime Minister I'm talking about his cabinet The Liberal National Party Coalition And the Alternative Liberal Party The ALP masquerading as the Australian Labor Party The group that took the U out of labour. It's L-A-B-O-R, not L-A-B-O-U-R. Because if you think that these clowns call the shots, think again. Think again. Now, I'll just diverge, you know, for a little minute. Over the last 48 hours, we have seen who calls the shots in Australia. And it's very simple. It's unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits irrespective of the human, social and environmental costs. For example, there was a little bit of a move to hold an inquiry into whether BHB Billiton and CRA, which, who dominate the iron ore market in this country, were actually involved in unconscionable behaviour as far as their competitors were concerned. One speech from a former head of BHP and one speech from the current head of BHP and what happens? The government goes soft. No inquiry. End of story. Same thing happened two weeks ago. There was a little bit of a debate about Huge corporations, transnational corporations based in this country and based overseas, paying voluntary taxation. Two weeks of a hullabaloo and then silence, total silence. let's, Let's not forget the Senate inquiry which brought this to the public attention. Let's not talk about, you know, resist Murdoch's minions who brought this to the public attention years ago. And we'll talk about that in a minute. You know, forgotten, forgotten. So if you think, if you think that the political parties in Parliament call the shots, think again, how could we have 10% of the population living in dire poverty in God's own country if Parliament had the power to change legislation to ensure the corporate sector pay their fair share of tax. It's extraordinary. I'll give you an example. Resist Murdoch's minions was formed within a few weeks of the Abbott- led government being elected and it was formed for one very good reason because in October 2013 just after the federal election or during the federal election campaign, News Corporation, one of the two of the uh, mr. Murdoch's business arms, received an $852 million tax refund from the Australian tax office while putting away billions of dollars in overseas accounts. They did it legally. Totally legally. $852 million tax refund. The tax office didn't even bother to appeal the decision because they knew there was no point because this country's taxation laws are so lax that not only does the corporate sector not pay any tax or pays voluntary taxation and I could list them off, you know company after company after company after company but, you know, these laws are so lax that they can actually receive a tax refund while making billions of dollars of profit So the tax office didn't even bother to appeal because they knew they had no chance of appealing legally because of the weak taxation laws. And when the Mr Hockey, the great treasurer who is basking in his sugar-coated cyanide pill for the Australian people, was asked to comment, he said, no comment. So we were formed then. And since then, on the first Friday of every month, we've been gathering outside the Herald and Weekly Times building at 40 City Road in Melbourne. And we encourage people across the country who are listening to this program, the Community Radio Network, on their local community radio stations to actually initiate actions in their part of the world because News Limited and Foxtel have offices all over this country and obviously you can initiate action if you think this is an important issue. So on the first Friday of the month we troop up to be harassed by private security guards to see police there protecting That's right, protecting, stopping us from actually trying to gather and bear witness to this unpalatable truth that as far as corporate tax evaders and minimisers in this country go, 21st Century Fox and News Corporations, Murdoch's two arms in this country and overseas are the number one, number one uh, number one, they're number one all the time, while at the same time denigrating people who take action, to highlight this, denigrating people on disability support pensions, denigrating people on unemployment benefits on a daily basis, denigrating trade unions on a daily basis, denigrating anybody who takes any political action, whether it's the forced closure of Aboriginal communities in West Australia, you know, on a daily basis. Here we have the country's number one tax minimisers on the Australian tax officers list, number one on their list, having the audacity, as we saw in Great Britain last week or the week before, having the audacity to actually pull out all stops to ensure the neoliberal trash that currently rules us, continues to rules us ad nauseam. Just extraordinary. So we will continue this campaign until the next federal election. We will continue this campaign while there is one of us there to bear witness. And irrespective of there's one, ten, twenty, a 20, 100, 1,000, 10,000, what's important is the fact that it continues to occur that we highlight this because this has, when Corporate Australia doesn't pay tax, it has major implications on each and every one of us. If you're on a waiting list for important cardiac surgery or a hip replacement or a knee replacement... Or a hernia operation or an eye surgery and you're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for your turn and you're told there aren't enough resources. Of course there aren't enough resources when seventy percent of taxation revenue continues to be paid by pay as you were taxpayers, as by by wage earners. Just an extraordinary situation. So once again, on the fifth of June, Friday the fifth of June, We will be congregating But we will be starting off in Melbourne At Federation Square at 11.30am We decided to take the struggle To a wider audience We will walk From Federation Square Handing out leaflets Talking to people At 11.30am We'll leave at 11.30am 11.30am, quarter to 12 To 40 City Road, Melbourne To set up once again our presence to be there, to highlight that what is occurring is not acceptable like other people who've worked for decades and have been ignored, marginalised, ostracised as I spoke about at the beginning of the, of the program it takes people like us to actually keep these issues in the public eye You can't rely on the Government Guild at ABC You can't rely on the corporate-owned media They don't even report what's happening in the corporate-owned media as far as their affairs are concerned You have to rely on people like us to actually bring these things to the public's attention because it's important that we join the dots So let's move on with the budget this is the Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia and the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph and I'm hosting today's program. If during the course of the program you get called away, don't despair. You can access this program by going to 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can podcast is up for the next six to eight weeks. 3cr.org.au. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. Yes, we still answer letters. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at com. You can go to the Anarchist Media website anarchistmedia.org or you can leave messages on 0439 This program is being broadcast via the Community Radio Network. My name name is Joseph Toscano. Let's go back to the budget. Let's look at the nitty-gritty. Now, the jewel in the crown is the twenty thousand dollar tax deduction for small business with less than two million dollar turnover, and for sole traders. Less than $2 million turnover. This is the jewel in the golden crown. Now, why do we have this jewel in the golden crown? Why do we have this little bit of pump priming? Well, it's very simple. Corporate Australia does not pay tax. And they're not going to be paying tax while this government or the ALP is in office. Because these people are not willing to put the pressure on Corporate Australia to pay their fair share of tax. Interest rates at a historically low levels 2%, that's the Reserve Bank interest rates. You're paying 4 to 5 to 6 to 7 to 8 to 21% if you've got a credit card debt. That's right, they're still raking in the money if you've got a credit card debt. So, all lowering interest rates have done is actually created a property bubble, especially in Sydney and Melbourne. Okay, property bubble. Sydney and Melbourne So as far as the mining sector is concerned Jobs are diminishing Iron ore prices are decreasing Taxation revenue is decreasing So the sheep is dead We don't longer ride on the sheep's back Although there's a little bit of a bounce in uh, wool prices currently The mining sector is beginning to run down China is moving from an export-orientated economy to a service-driven economy, so they don't need as much iron ore. India, which is on the next cab off the rank for major industrialisation, is going to rely more and more on solar power, not coal or iron ore. And the list goes on and on. So diminishing assets as far as mining is concerned, Increasing unemployment, a property boom. Because with the increased, in, with the drop in interest rates, what people have done is because of this country's interesting taxation laws where you get a tax deduction for owning two homes but can't use your superannuation to get a deposit on your first home. And because of speculation just by both overseas and the local speculators in the housing market because they can actually get a tax deduction for owning a second home which they rent out and the higher they gear themselves the more money they borrow to buy property the greater the tax deduction because the tax deduction comes in when you make a loss from your investment when the money you receive from the rent from the property is less than the money you spend paying interest on the property so what we've got is this Explosion in housing prices, which is actually not related to people's wages because people's wages aren't even keeping pace with inflation for the number of major wage earners. So you've got taxation revenue stable or decreasing because wages aren't increasing at a rapid rate for most people. You've got a mining sector which is in the doldrums which can't seem to find markets. You've got a housing boom where the uh, ratio between average wages and the cost to get into the housing market continues to increase exponentially You know, every year in this country. So the government needed to do something in order to stimulate the economy. And out comes the 1%, 1.5% drop in small business tax, which is neither here or there. And then comes the great sweetener. The great sweetener the cyanide sugar-coated pill, the economic cyanide sugar-coated pill, the $20,000 tax deduction. And it's a tax deduction you can actually receive for multiple purchases as long as they're under $20,000. So if you are a small business that actually has money or you borrow money at low interest rates, you can actually negate your tax liability legally for the next two to three years. So what we are going to see is not just the corporate sector paying voluntary taxation, but the small business sector paying no taxation, because any small business that can borrow the money will actually borrow the money in order to obtain that tax deduction and buy things for their businesses, or maybe not even for their businesses. So we're going to see taxation revenue plummet in the next two to three years. We have two major segments of the Australian economy which are responsible for at least 30% of taxation revenue now being removed from the taxation uh, equation. So how does the government pay for public education how does the government pay for public infrastructure how does the federal government provide taxation receipts to the states who find that the current GST is not enough to meet their costs how is the government going to pay for the pharmaceutical benefit scheme how is the government going to pay for public health care? And the issue is, it's not going to. What we will see as a direct consequence of this amateurish attempt to stimulate, use the private sector to stimulate the economy, and this is a very amateurish attempt, what we will see is a dilution, dilution in the services that are provided to people. You try ringing ring a government department today, especially a federal government department today, and see how long you have to wait. Think about it. So what we are in is a very difficult situation. What the government is relying on is that this tax deduction for small business will allow small business people to employ more people, create more jobs create an increased tax revenue this is the gamble but why would small business employ more people when the amount of disposable income that most families have is actually and individuals have is actually falling for over 80% of uh, wage earners in this country it's falling because of increased Costs as far as access to child mining is concerned, as far as access to public hospitals is concerned, as far as access to public education is concerned. There's a cost now involved in accessing all these services. If the cost isn't monetary, it's in terms of time and in terms of lost time. How do you expect a low-wage economy to actually drive up the demand for services from the small business sector. Obviously, you'd be crazy if you're a small business person not to actually improve what you have, the assets you have, by not taking advantage of this uh, tax deduction over the next two years. But why would you bother to employ somebody else? In the majority of cases, you wouldn't. Because your actual amount of work that you will receive in an economy which is going downwards it's not going to increase in the majority of cases it will not increase so this is the gamble this is pink bats number two remember the pink bats scheme well we now have pink bats number two in a valiant attempt to stimulate the Australian economy through the private sector and it gets better Did you know that uh, there are now changes to the Work for the Dole scheme which allow people to knock on a private employer's door and say, I will work for you for four weeks for nothing. And they will continue to receive their Dole payments for those four weeks. I will work for you for nothing for four weeks. Now, can you imagine, now obviously there are many good employers, but there are many unscrupulous employers. Could you imagine how many people are going to be burnt by this where you provide your labour free of charge to a private employer who makes a profit from your labour for four weeks and then throws you out and brings somebody else in to work for four weeks? I could see coffee shops around the country enjoying free labour. For years, what an extraordinary situation. And the current government thinks, the current neoliberal government thinks that they can actually increase employment by providing free labour to the private sector. What an extraordinary rate of affairs. All that does is undermine the concept of a basic wage. I mean, this is a government that there are sections of this government that doesn't even want a a basic wage, wants to leave it up to the marketplace To set the wage Extraordinary situation So let's see what happens Now look, I could be totally wrong We'll know in the next 12 to 24 months Or I could be 100% right I mean It's an extraordinary budget Because everything Has been pushed At the private sector It's a budget which is actually Continues to squeeze the public sector at the expense of the private sector. These people have not changed their ideological colours. They are still reading from the neoliberal little blue book, but they got a little bit smarter in how to market an unpalatable product. If you have an unpalatable product, you sugarcoat it first, you sell it, and then you don't offer a refund. And if their sales pitch is any good, it's quite possible that as opinion polls improve, and they've only improved marginally in the last few weeks, as they improve, that there'll be a snap election. And don't forget, this is the crew that wants you to think that they have changed their ideological position. Nothing in the budget suggests that they have changed their ideological position nothing in the budget suggests that they are, are, are going to slow down the privatisation juggernaut if a state government privatises the state assets they get a 15% bonus from the federal government there is nothing, nothing nothing in the budget which suggests that they will re-regulate to protect working people's interests or families' interests. They're not interested in that. All they're interested in is removing regulations which were put in place to protect people in order to maximise profits for their corporate friends. There is nothing in the budget which suggests they will curtail the current globalisation bandwagon. Nothing. If you think they're willing to stand up for the corporate sector on behalf of the people they represent, think again. Just look at the CRA-BHP bulletin debacle we've had in the past few days where CRA and BHP open their mouth and bingo, the government says no inquiry no inquiry think about it the list goes on and on so this it's really a matter of trust do you trust these people to keep their word? do you trust these people to keep their word? did they keep their word after the last election? No cuts to Medicare, no cuts to the ABC, no cuts to public education. Did they keep their word? Will they keep their word if by some miracle they obtain a majority in both Houses of Parliament at the next federal election? Can you trust these people? And you can't. Because there is no mechanism in the current parliamentary system which holds people to account for what they've done. For example, in Victoria, the napfine led government signed a contract for billions of dollars four weeks before the last state election on a project which they hadn't even taken to the people at the previous state election in 2010, and which has cost the current Labor government hundreds of millions of dollars to wiggle out of And there is not one ramification for the opposition. Nothing. No financial ramification. And that's the nature of parliamentary democracy Australian style. It's based on faith. It's just like a religious belief. It's based on faith. You have faith in what's in the Koran. You have faith in what's in the the Veda. you have faith in what's in Sanskrit you have faith in what's in the Bible you have faith in your parliamentary representatives that they will do the right thing by you once they are elected to office it's all about faith once they are elected whether they change their policies, whether individuals change their political alliances and political parties whether they do walk in a diametrically opposed direction is irrelevant because there is nothing you can do to the next election. There is no power of recall in this country. No power of recall. You cannot recall non-performing politicians in between elections in this country. You cannot initiate legislation outside parliament in this country there are no citizens initiated referendums there is no mechanism via which the Australian people can call a halt to what is occurring if their political representatives refuse to act on their behalf that is the Achilles heel of the parliamentary system it is a system system solely based on faith where the representatives of the major political parties represent the interests of the party before they represent the interests of the people they represent because how far they go up the political ladder to a large degree is determined by how much of party policy they promote and support because There's no ramifications. If they're not pre-selected because they don't follow the party line at the next election, that's the end of their political career because there isn't an attitude or a habit of people voting independently in this country. People tend to vote for again. People tend, if they do vote, and let's not forget that 20% of Australians, despite compulsory voting, don't vote. 20% because they're so, many of them are so disillusioned with the parliamentary system they can't even be bothered to mark a ballot paper on election day. But getting back to the 80% who vote, most of them can still continue over 70-75% to vote for the major political parties, hoping against hope that this time, this time they will keep to their parliamentary agenda. And when you are bombarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, 366 days in a a leap year, with the propaganda that it's only the private sector that can actually provide jobs, that it's only the private sector that can pull the country out of the quagmire it finds itself in, that it's only the private sector that has all the solutions to the social and cultural issues that we face as a society, you begin to realise... The hold that these corporations have on our everyday lives. For example, a few examples a few examples have been cropping up because the Senate has been holding inquiries. Whether it's an inquiry into asylum seekers. Extraordinary inquiry. Here we have Transfield. Paid $1.2 billion for 20 months to provide, you know, care for about 5,000 asylum seekers who are marooned on Manus Island and, and, and uh, Nauru, right? In, before a parliamentary inquiry, can't remember, don't know, take it on notice, can't remember, don't know, take it on notice, making a fool of parliament. Because these people, these private contractors, are gods. God's as far as the parliamentary system is concerned They just look at Parliament as some type of puppet show And they're the parliamentary puppet masters Extraordinary Extraordinary 1.2 billion can't provide basic service to 5,000 people How extraordinary is that? Unbelievable Listen to the Anarchist World this week Broadcast across Australian Community Radio Network My name is Joseph Scarum, hosting today's program Now, as I've said before, you know, we can wax eloquently or not so eloquently about these issues for the next 400 years and nobody would really care. I mean, the only way that governments care is when governments fear the people they represent more than they fear the corporate sector, more than they fear that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. So there are always ways that you can become involved, many ways you can become involved. If you haven't got the energy or the time to actually be active on a daily basis, there are ways you can become involved. Now a new organisation that's been set up recently is Public Interests Before Corporate Interests. And again, it's an organic organisation which is growing slowly. It's not perfect. It doesn't have all the answers, but it has one answer. It wants to put public interests before corporate interests. It's an organisation which is both ba- basically involves direct action as well as political action and currently it's trying to register itself as a political party before the electoral laws change it so that it becomes a two-horse race or a three-horse race. So if you're interested in putting public interests before corporate interests, I encourage you, encourage you to find out about them. I'm a member. I'm actually the convener, the national convener of public interest before corporate interest, okay? Now, If you go to their website, P-I-B-C-I dot net, P-I-B-C-I dot net, very simple. Just go to their website, download the application form, see which, if you like it, become a member. If you don't like it doesn't matter. But if you do like what they're on about, think seriously about becoming a member. Why not? It's all very well talking about things, but isn't it about time to do something about it? Now, we also have a Facebook page, public interest before corporate interest has a Facebook page. I mean, the Facebook page has photos, interesting entries, and a link to the website. So you can download the application form if you wish to join. Now, we've already got one local branch set up. That's the Frankston Seaford branch in Melbourne. And... uh, If you'd like to uh, pop along to their branch meeting, their next branch meeting is at 11am on Friday the 22nd of May at Lucky's Deli. You like that? Lucky's Deli. They feel lucky, public interest before corporate interest. 46 to 48, Young Street, Frankston, opposite the Frankston Station. All welcome. So 11am. The Frankston Seaford branch of public interest before corporate interest is meeting at 11am on Friday the 22nd of May at Lucky's Deli 46-48 to 48 Young Street Frankston, Melbourne. Look, you can form a branch of public interest before corporate interest in your part of the world, anywhere in Australia. If you're interested give us a call 0439 395 489 39 395 489 Send us an email at Info at PIBCI.net Download the application form P-I-B-C-I dot net. Send it to your friends, send it to your enemies The sooner we get over 500 members on the electoral roll The sooner we can apply to become a registered political party To fight the next federal election On a platform which no other political party No other group puts forward Whether it's public housing whether it's public education, whether it's public infrastructure, whether it's public health, whether it's public jobs, whether it's the public service, public financing, public banks, publicly owned banks. Now's the time to get on board for public interest before corporate interest. It's up to you. It's all very well. Grinding your teeth, carrying on, saying this is not 100% of what I want if it's 20 if it's 54% of what you want i encourage you to join pick up the phone 0439 395 489 go to the website pibci.net go to the uh go to the facebook page post your comments good or bad just keep posting them okay let's move on i just like to remind listeners and i'll speak about this next week that uh, the 3rd of june is marbo day marbo day 23rd anniversary of the Mabo Day decision which has had profound ramifications for both Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians in this country and once again in Melbourne and I'm sure there are ceremonies across the country on Mabo Day especially in the Torres Strait there will be uh, a Mabo Day uh, gathering midday Federation Square corner of Flinders and St Kilda Road in Melbourne that's Wednesday Wednesday the food of June Marbo Day, but I'll speak more about that next week. So there are options. I mean, it's one thing analysing something and commenting on something. It's another thing trying to do something about it. And as I keep saying on this program, you can belong to the somebody should do something about that tribe and usually nobody does anything about it. We just look around looking for somebody else to do something about it. Or you could belong belong, belong to the I'm going to do something about that tribe, the gunner tribe, gunner this and gunner that. Well, nothing happens if you are gunner. You got to get off the couch. You've got to tear away from that scintillating, you know, uh, conversation on your on, on your web page. That scintillating conversation on the internet. All those chat rooms. You got to tear away stuff from all that pornography, all that garbage. You know. You've got to tear away from your newspapers, from your Instagram, from your Twitter feed, because it doesn't matter how often you talk to each other, nothing changes unless you are willing to become involved and take action. I know it's like a recording that never ends, but nothing changes without people taking action. The current inquiry into institutional abuse of children in this country over the last five to six decades would never have occurred without decades of struggle of victims and their families pushing, 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 pushing for that Royal Commission to be held. And it's the same in every other field of human endeavour. Whether it's, you know, a basic wage, whether it's workers' compensation, whether it's a fair day's pay for a fair day's work, whether it's a adequate social security system a safety net whether it's access to a public hospital system irrespective of your uh, income or who you are it has all come through people taking action both political action and political action through the electoral process and extra parliamentary action so I encourage you irrespective of what you're doing to think and see whether you can spend spare a few hours to take up this struggle, because if you don't nobody else will. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au If you want to have a discussion, leave a message on 0439 395-489 04-39-395-489 Yes, we still answer letters. We must be the last people in the world who actually answer letters. Listen to your commercial radio station or the government guild at ABC. They don't bother about letters anymore. It's all about internet sites. Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052 Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052 You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com AnarchistAge at yahoo.com. That's right, anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can go to the website anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World This Week on your local community radio station. Listen in to The Anarchist World This Week on your local community radio station next week. Don't forget. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Now, just uh, finally, if uh, you've listened to this program for the first time and you're on you're the car and you wonder why your local community radio station isn't broadcasting the anarchist world this week, well... Give them a call, find out. If they're on the community radio network, they can broadcast it. If they're not, they can still broadcast it. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10 a.m. every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist Wall this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their